Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we are back. I'm Christopher Pepper, host of the Laces Out podcast, and I am genuinely pissed off after the Melbourne performance yesterday against the Saints. But that's just one of many stories that we're going to be talking about tonight on the podcast. It has been an exceptional weekend of football. Five out of the top eight teams were beaten last weekend, and we're going to touch on some of the controversies, some of the exciting results, and more importantly, the great pretender for this week is going to be very close to my heart. But where do we start? We start on Thursday night with that belter of a game between Richmond and the Swans. I think that's what football is all about. Fast, exciting, flowing football, but it just goes to show that theoretically it is pretty much going to be Richmond versus everybody else once again this season. They just did what they had to do, the Tigers. And if you are a Richmond supporter, which a lot of my listeners are... Kudos to you out there. Uh, don't worry about booking holidays early in uh, September. You're going to be going deep. Worry about mid-October because you're going to be getting some grand final action for the second time this year. I don't know what it is about your mob, but you just seem to be able to go longer, faster, harder than other clubs out there. And just when you think uh, Dusty Martin might be a little bit down, when you just think that maybe Cochin might be a little bit down... Uh, the Tasmanian Tiger himself, Jackie Rewald, comes out and probably plays a career best game. He was everywhere. He was white on rice on the weekend. Um, he was like the Black Plague in medieval times. Everybody uh, couldn't get away from him. He was absolutely unstoppable. Probably, like I said, the best game he has ever played. Richmond supporters, what do you think? Do you think there was, Jackie Rewald has played a better game? He's gone from being a focal point to pretty much um, everyone's best mate. He has just been selfless over the last couple of years, and it was just really good to see him turn the game on its head. He's come out and kicked three, but in terms of his statistics and, and more importantly, what he did the ground, he was an out-and-out leader. Uh, he, was, he was put down for quite a long time with his behavior. Um, I, I call my son when he cracks at uh, doing a richo. He used to be doing a rewalt because of the way he behaved, but he is... He has changed the way he has with football completely. And you know, another thing that came out of it was uh, the Buddy versus Rance uh, challenge um, that you would have seen going into the game. Who is it going to be? Would Buddy take the mantle? Would uh, Rance take the mantle? Unfortunately, I think what overshadowed the whole uh, competitive beast going head-to-head was just the standard of over-umpiring throughout that game. Anyone who saw the game or has seen the highlights would have seen the marking contest where where Buddy went down, which seemed to be a push in the back. It it was absolutely nothing. And and you're sitting here, and I was at the Melbourne game yesterday, and just some of the umpiring decisions, I think that's what's causing most frustrations or the look of the game is the sheer over-umpiring. The four umpires have not worked. Three umpires don't seem to be working at the moment. They've just got to let the game go a little bit. I, you know, if, if I had a look at it, uh, there was things going on in the game, in the Melbourne St. Gilda game, um, where Petrarca used a bit of body length, uh, body length, a bit of, bit of body strength in a marking contest, took the game and was classified as a push. What I don't understand, you know, and after seeing that awesome game, is that this is what the talking points are, is... You know, what is something? What is it? What is the rules of the game? You, you know, the old school, you knew if something was too high, it was too high. You knew what a push in the back. You know if there was a chop of the arms. Now, I don't know what dropping the ball is or is it holding the ball? Is it is it prior opportunity? I can't keep up. Um, what is a marking contest? What can and can't you do? You know, it's like you can't push, tug, hold, shove, 
well, how are you supposed to use your body? You know, they'd spend all this time in the gym doing upper body strength, yet they can't actually use their upper body strength in a marking context because they're classified as a push. Um, what is a what is a prior opportunity? What is um, a tackle? What's tackle? What is tackle protection? What is interfering? I am completely lost. And listeners, I know you're the same. You're completely lost on the way that umpires are ruining the game. And they, the worst thing is, is that um, coaches sit there in a press conference, and you know why they sound like robots? Because they can't actually say anything about it because they know that they're going to get a fine. And the AFL aren't going to say anything because they're just put toe on the line, and Michael Christian's not going to say anything because he's just toe on the line as well. It's a disgrace. Sit down and have a look at what umpiring is at the moment, and if you said what is the one thing that's ruining the look of the game, that is it because players one week to the next, and they've said it, don't know the rules. I think the umpires do, but they are being educated too harshly, I don't believe this interpretation should be just basically black or white. I I don't know how you can interpret dropping the ball. There's too much of a grey area. And when there's too much of a grey area, um, things are going to go wrong. I remember watching a beautiful piece of movie cinema called Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. And Princess Leia got captured early on, looking beautiful in a white gown with cinnamon buns strapped to the side of her head. And she's standing there with uh, Governor Tarkin and... Darth Vader and Leia looks at Tarkin and says the more you tighten your grip Tarkin the more star systems will slip through your fingers and that's basically what's happening with umpiring right now they've got their grip so tight on the way that they officiate the grain stuff is slipping through and it's so obvious but they won't be able to pull the trigger on it it's almost like well it is or it isn't so we're just going to let it go or we'll just guess and some of the decisions at the moment, are, are that, in my eyes, is what's ruining the game. Hey, you know what? I had to throw a Star Wars reference in there. Is it the best one? Probably not, but you get my drift. It's just all over the joint at the moment. Um, taking that out of it, though, I must admit, one thing is is that the game on uh, Thursday night was an absolute belter, but it was taken over by an absolute cracker after the siren, Harry Taylor has the opportunity that every kid growing up would love to do, love to see, love to achieve. And foobarred it up beyond recognition with a two-point win going to the Bulldogs. Now, what have they been doing, the doggies? Where's this form been? This is like late 2016. Ruthless, competitive, taking no prisoners. Why have you left it to the halfway through 2018 to realise this is a type of football that you can play. You've wasted 18 months. Doggy supporters will be going, pulling their hair out, going, where has this been? Opposition clubs are going, oh shit, we need to play them now. They have just been brilliant. And the way that they had that game and the grasp of their hand all the way through was magnificent. Up and down, up and down. The lead went back and forth throughout. You know, they were up at, by over uh, 30 points at one particular stage and Geelong crawled their way back. And you could just see that, you know, they lost the game the week before and you know that the football guys were up there going, oh, we're going to do it two weeks in a row. We're going to rip the heart out of these doggy supporters. And when Geelong, when Abler kicked that goal with, you know, 30-odd seconds to go in the game, you could just see it's happened so many times over the last number of years for something like that to happen. It happens to St Kilda and um, the doggies the week before. And when Taylor took that mark and that ball was floating in, it was almost you could hear the sound of Celine Dion singing the Titanic theme song. For 
there you go. As Big Harry Taylor clunked at one. And if you have a look at uh, Beveridge, he just sat there with his eyes looking out going, oh, we've done it again. And Scotty's done the old fist pump, belt the table, walk out, I've got this. You had pretty much every St Kilda supporter on the mark. I actually think I saw um, good old Bob Murphy. I think he was out there as well too because he's been part of everything else except that premiership win. And you must admit, was that the, probably the worst kick for goal you've ever seen after the siren? That was the biggest anti-climax um, in since the crying game. It was it was probably it was the worst kick I think ever. I didn't see him uh, running around like he did after that uh, finals win, Harry Taylor. I think I saw the doggies guys running around. But isn't that what football's about? Two horse, you know, high scoring games, hundred and three to one hundred and one, two points in. What what more could you ask for? Um, by the way, can I just say the doggies have they got an, a absolute corker in um, good old uh, Richards. Um, Red Ginger Ninja Richards, he's kicked three. He has played an absolute belter of a game. He didn't rack up many positions, but he's just got spunk. He's just got enthusiasm that um, has been missing. And I think he's been a highlight and could be, outside of uh, Stevenson from the Magpies, a bit of a late charge for the rising star. I can't see anyone else this year getting close. Um, He's got pretty much eight games to seal his mark. And the doggies have some pretty good games coming up as well too. For Geelong, well, is it just another? Is it just another excuse? What are they going to come out with this week? They had all their guns playing. They were they weren't firing. And I think it was even mentioned that Gary Ablett had the worst ever thirty disposal game uh, in the history of AFL. Mind you, he set the record I think for most thirty game uh, thirty possession games in the history of the AFL VFL as of last week. But. Um, Outside of GMHBA Stadium, they're woeful. They they are pathetic. Uh, I don't rate them. And don't be surprised if they don't make the eight. There's my call. They are not going to make the eight. And there's another team I'm going to talk about, which three weeks ago looked like they could have been premiership contenders. Um, and my uh, personal opinion is I think they're going to be finals pretenders. Uh, but we'll get, get on that a little bit later on. Um, they rely too much on the big four. Um, they don't have much up forward. They don't have much down back. And it just goes to show that uh, you might have a good engine, but if the rest of the car is pretty average, it ain't going to get you far. But if you want to have a look at a club who is humming it along nicely, it's Port Adelaide. They were made to work against the Carlton Blues on the weekend. Before we get into it, just a quick one I want to throw out there. Cade Simpson, 300 games, uh, fifth Carlton player to do so. He is a legend of the Carlton Football Club. Um, Being a Melbourne supporter... Uh, I would love to have a player like this in my club right now. He isn't the biggest bloke out there. Um, he wears a long sleeve jumper. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But you know, every single week, you're going to have a bloke that is going to bust his nuts for your team. An interesting stat that came out of the weekend is, is that um, he is the most losing player ever to play 300 games for a club. The other interesting fact that I also found it is outside of his first season, out of all the possible games that he could have played, he has only missed five. That's right. Out of his first season, which he might have played maybe 14-odd games, since then, let's just say it's uh, 285 games, out of the 290 he possibly could have played, he's played 285. There's a man who's durable, and I reckon every single week, you knew what you were going to get with this bloke. He is also uh, an awesome gun of a player because he wears the great number six, like uh, the superstar on the microphone used to wear as well too. 
Um, but I'll tell you what, um, every supporter out there would have given him um, a round of applause and utmost respect for an awesome career. And he looks like one of these players has definitely got another three or four years left in him. And I would honestly say if uh, Carlton are thinking of moving him on, which I don't think they are, um, my guys or a few other clubs, get him over because that is what leadership, determination and persistence is all about. And you may not have the biggest uh, biggest rig in the car yard, but having the biggest heart is uh, going to get you very, very far. So Cade Simpson, awesome and brilliant job. To say that, though, Carlton actually showed some backbone um, over the weekend as well. It took Port Adelaide virtually until that uh, last quarter to to break the spirits of the Blues. But at one stage, we're only looking at a couple of points. And I was hoping for a massive boil over, as a lot of people out there would as well. Um, very, very um, influential um, game by the Blues in the fact that they, they did go down by a fair bit. Uh, at one stage, looking at around about 30 points halfway through the second quarter and fought it back in that third quarter to get uh, back to, like I said, a couple of points. But the amazing, the massive things to come out of this game was uh, Charlie Curnow. You know, there, there was an article written about, you know, Carlton got him on the cheap and a few other bits and pieces. But i tell you what, if you were setting up a team and you had any pick of any gun forward coming, you know, coming forward in the near future, he, he's, he's been brilliant. And just think about, you know, some of the names that were beaten ball, um, beaten to, to get him as well too, like uh, Sam Weedham in Melbourne, a couple others as well that obviously done off the top of my head. Researched that well, didn't I? And I think the Blues have a very, very bright future. And you've got to stick with Bolton because you know what would be the point in having him go through all this heartache and pain and then getting someone brand new to reap the rewards? Don't do it, Carlton. Stick with him. Port Adelaide, uh, they did what a lot of clubs didn't do on the weekend: is take the advantage of uh, a game that they should have won. And, and they did, and cementing uh, their two games clear, basically, of uh, a conglomerate of teams, including Melbourne, Hawthorne. Uh, you could even throw Geelong in there as well, too. So they've set themselves up nicely, not just for a finals appearance, but possibly that top four spot. And I think they've got a pretty good run leading up in the next couple of weeks. So kudos to them. Um, but, um, yeah, Jackie Watts can't get a game. It was also good to see Jack Trangrove get a game back for the uh, the Port at Power as well. Jamie Wallace, want to say my loyal listeners, he would have been happy to see the win uh, and, more importantly, locking in a spot there. I'm not going to spend too much time on uh, Collingwood Gold Coast because that was absolutely snooze fest, fizz fest. Mind you, first quarter in. You, what the, oh, here we go. Gold Coast, well, they could be in for the fight here at their home game. And I think the only thing exciting after quarter time was seeing Matt Damon uh, neck and a beer and then a Gold Coast scarf and I think he had more presence than uh, the Gold Coast team did. Collingwood did what they had to do once again, sit in second position a lot of people wouldn't have said that, they would have wanted Buckley's head but he's got them humming nicely, they would be the most informed team probably with Richmond and Essendon right now. Hey how good was it to see Hawthorne get beaten again? I know listeners you're probably going, don't be too biased there peps doesn't matter because the GWS they are ticking along nicely, I think it was their fourth win in a row uh, starting to get some signs. I would have thought that they would have gone down with Jeremy Cameron not being there on the weekend, but they've gone and lit it up again. They've uh, And it was good to see Ward, Whitfield, Coniglio coming out, Shield as well, Himmelberg. Hell, good as Himmelberg. like him. Lobs come out and kick three. Um, Hawthorne, once again, if you have a look at the names, Bruce, Popolo, uh, Ruffhead kicking the goals. Have a look at the best. Mitchell, Smith, Bruce, C- you know, Sicily. They're old names again, except for Sicily, but he's a flog, we don't care. But it's the same names, and I don't see any fresh names coming into Hawthorne. And when that older generation ticks over and doesn't um, have the impact, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, the days when um, Bruce finishes up, 
Wapolo's almost there. I don't know how much time Ruffy's got left. What are they going to do? Uh, Rioli's not going to be around much longer. Uh, you've got people like Big Boy McAvoy. You've also got people like uh, Frawley. They get a little bit longer in the tooth. Where's that next sort of step? I know they've got a pretty good midfield with Mitchell and, and O'Meara running around. So there is a bit of work there. But I do get a little bit uh, wary that they don't have that next sort of crop of, of super guns coming through like a lot of other clubs. GWS... They've finally found some form, and there's going to be some teams who thought that they were uh, going backwards, that they would have been having a bit of a walk in the park. It ain't going to happen. And um, I'll tell you what, General Patton, he was a bit of a monster on the weekend too. His game, he is just, I don't know what it is. It's like when Cameron's not there, he finally says, well, I'm the guy who's going to take this um, group forward. Jump on my back, fellas, and I'll take you there. And he did that at a couple memorable times. Oh, there was a, a mark he took early on in the second or third quarter, out 50 metres out, and has just put it through post high. And you sit back and go, where is this? Why does it have to take something out of the blue or out of the ordinary for something to happen for you to actually step up? Um, he's too big of a bloke to be able to do that. I still unfortunately think he's um, a little bit lost in his type of positioning and where the club wants to play. But another good win sets, them, sets themselves up for a bit of, um, a, bit of uh, a tilt towards the finals as well. Like I said, they're sitting at that sort of realm um, where there's a team's knocking on the door. Once again, another team with a pretty good run leading into the finals. All right, I'm going to jump a few. I'm going to head to Brisbane Lions. Well done to the Lions. Um, I've said it all year. They they were the best 0-8 uh, zero and, uh, zero and eight team. Now they're the best uh, probably, what are they, 2-13 two and, two and 13 team in the AFL at the moment. How good were they on the weekend? They went over to Brisbane. Uh, they went over to Fremantle. Yeah, Sandlands was out. Fife got injured, but they were in it from the start. They've gone out and pumped them. We're talking fifty points. We're talking close to a ten goal win. Now, if you told me at the start of the year that Brisbane would beat Fremantle in Fremantle by ten goals, you'd say, "Peps, go and uh, pleasure yourself on a cheese grater, mate," because you got better chance of getting a smile out of that than you would out of that result. Um, they are. They are. They're going to be dangerous. They are going to be very dangerous. You know, some of the guys that they've got, they've got a nice mix of old. They've got a bit of a mix with the new. Now, have a look at their best. Martin, you know, Steph Martin, 150 games. Um, couldn't get a game at Melbourne. Well, looking back now, they got that one completely wrong, didn't they? He's been um, a stalwart for, for Brisbane. Beams has killed it again. Taylor's killed it. McStay, Cutler, Rayner. You know, they were the best. But have a look at the goals. Taylor's kicked three. McStay's kicked two. Cutler's kicked two. Rayner's kicked two. McInerney's kicked two. Hipwood, two. Like, the, how good is that for a spread of goals for some um, no-name brands that you wouldn't have heard for a long time? And once again, you've got Christensen, Zorko, Witherden pulling it in as well, too. It was awesome to see. Fife's gone down with a with a hammy again. He um, just... He, for teams that try and they, and they finally get a great result, regardless of who you barrack for, you sit there and say, awesome stuff, well done, proud of you. It's when teams scrape across the line, you know that they can achieve so much more that you sit back and go, yeah, well, you probably deserve what you get. But this is a win that could certainly set them up for the last number of weeks ending into the season. Um, Fremantle, geez, what do they represent at the moment? Um, the jumper might be white and purple, but there's a big yellow streak down the middle of their back at the moment. You can see that Rossi Lyon had to make a change and bring in some youth at the, um, the middle of last year. And it's great to see some of the names running around. Uh, Brayshaw, excuse me, has been a, a revelation for them this year. But some of the names, like if I, you know, Cox, Langdon, Aitness, 
uh, Giro. No one knows who these people are. Langdon, um, Mundy and Walters, obviously, they were the best of the weekend. Lockie Neal's also doing well. But some of the newer names at Fremantle are, 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 are trying to take that step, but they're just not there at the moment. And uh, I think there's going to be a few more painful painful um, results for the Fremantle Dockers this year. And once again, the pressure goes back down onto Ross Lyons saying, can he build teams? I know you're able to when you've got the cream of the crop and you're able to do something with that, but building teams up and changing. I know he says you've got to let the cobblers keep cobbling, but... You know, we don't use the old screw-in nailing stops anymore. We have these uh, sexy moulded plastic ones. Um, and unfortunately, the cobblers are made a little bit obsolete. Is uh, Yeah, from a tactical perspective, Ross is pretty good. But is he still using uh, 20th century methods in the 21st century? I don't know. Time will tell. But uh, awesome job for the Lions taking out that one on the weekend. Hey, what did you think of the Essendon North Melbourne game? So what do you think about the Essendon North Melbourne game on the weekend? You know, for too long people have been saying the football's boring, the football's a bit of a snooze fest. This was the score at halftime. 13 goals, 6 to 10 goals, 4. 24 goals kicked before halftime. We can't even get 24 goals kicked in a, you know, a full game at times. They've come out and absolutely smashed it. Mind you, it did slow down towards the end of the game with uh, the final score being 19 goals, 11 to 16. But there's still 35 goals that have been kicked. Um, that's a rip. That's the type of scoring that we want. It was almost like the coaches said, "Screw this. We're going to go out and we're going to let these boys run, and we're going to let them have an absolute humdinger of a day and just go out and run and run and score, and we don't care." Look at this. Fantasia's kick four. McKernan's kick four. Jakey Stringer's kick three. Let's go to North Woods. Kick three. Cunnington two. Brown two. McDonald two. Like there's, you know, what we would call bags these days by multiple people. Isn't that what you want to see? Like, they had a crowd of 45,000 there, too. That he has. The place would have been rocking. Um, North Melbourne, they just keep, you know, they, they did lose on the weekend. I get that. But you just know what's going to come out. And Essendon, they've finally found their mojo. They finally pulled their fingers out of their proverbial bungholes. Jake Stringer has decided to play some good football for the first time in, uh, well, I shouldn't say the first time, but the least four last four weeks have been nothing short of uh, fantastic. And... They've got speed, they've got it at both ends of the ground, and if we are an Essendon supporter, another one of those teams who have a wasted season, they're going to come home with a wet sail, and it's just going to be disappointing for them, because it's going to be another season of what could have been something special, and is not going to end up that way. They're going to be in a good spot next year, the Bombers, I hate to say that, and North, once again, they're teetering on the eight, sitting ninth. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for these um, for these two teams, and you never know what's going to appear. But um, that's it from that game. If the most thing we're going to take out of that game is some exciting, high-scoring football, you know, every supporter from every team wants to see more of that, and it was great to see. But um, I'm going to finish up with a game that happened on yesterday's afternoon or Sunday afternoon at the MCG. A bit of a nail-biter. Bit of a, uh, a frightener, bit of a scare, bit of an ups and downs. Um, but more importantly, it was the culmination of two teams who played football against each other for uh, the last number of years. One who, was, who just had the wood over the demons for quite a number of years and another one who uh, three weeks ago was seen as premiership contenders. And if you turned up on Saturday, I did a bit of a rant before the game on Facebook saying that the Ds were going to win by 10 goals. Unfortunately, around about two, two and a half hours later, I had to get back on Facebook 
and have another rant at my team because they were nothing short of pathetic. And I'll get to that very, very shortly. But the Saints, what what can you say? The, they've played their best football in around 18 months. All, all their, all their, um, they beat the D's in quite a number of areas. Disposals, uh, they they limited it to the D's to 62 inside 50s. They had 50 of their own, but still outscored them. Um, they, Melbourne once again had another week where more free kicks, more more clearances, more inside fifties, more contested possessions, more tackles, more hitouts, and yet lost the game again. It's starting to get a bit of a concern. I'm a, like I said, it's every Melbourne supporter that you speak to is absolutely frustrated by the patheticness that they've shown over the last number of weeks. They go out and do what they did against Collingwood and get smashed. That was pathetic. They've gone out against Port Adelaide where they should have won the game. Twenty points up halfway through the third quarter. In pretty average conditions, they had that game on toast, lost that one, kicked the first three goals of the game, get out to almost a 30-point lead early in the first quarter, and lose another one. And you're starting to sit back going, are they playing too cute? Are they playing too? Um, are they playing better than that they're supposed to be? Are they lightweights trying to play heavyweight football? I don't know. But I'm really starting to get frustrated, and I'm going to get into that shortly. But from a secure perspective... Bloody kudos to them. They've they've just stepped it up over the last couple of weeks. They had that great win against um, the Gold Coast. They've had the bye. They've come back into it. And you have a look at it. Jay Carlisle probably played his best game for them. He he stood up for them all the way through. Jay Billings, um, again. Uh, Gresham, what a beautiful captain he's been playing. Sinclair, it's great to see Steele finally getting some points on the board. Jack Stephen, even David Armitage, who couldn't get a game earlier in the season, uh, came out and had a good one as well. And once again, it was the same old story for the D's. Gorn, Brayshaw, Viney were the three best for the Ds. How many times have we said that combination this year? And that's what's frustrating us, is that it's the same names, week in, week out. Um, they're going to be my great pretender, I'm not going to lie. They are going to be my great pretender for this week, and I'll get into that very, very shortly. But to St Kilda, um, they were a man down with Nathan Brown getting injured with a um, hamstring injury. Um... They just, they just played better football. Every time Melbourne came back, they came back. Every time that you thought the Ds were going to steal it, they just kicked another one. Uh, Jack Stephen kicked one late in the fourth quarter. They put him across. The Ds kicked the next three goals, three seconds to go in the game. All the Ds had to do was um, kick a goal, but once again, they weren't able to do so. And it's not a, it's another potential season of ifs, buts and maybes instead of uh, looking forward to September. Um, if you get on all the forums, you get on Demon Land, you get on Big Footy, you have a look on Facebook, everybody from a Melbourne Football Club perspective, uh, from a supporter base, is just frustrated, absolutely frustrated with the performances they've been showing lately. And something has to trigger because we've got a bit of, bit of a hard run coming in, and if we don't do something, uh, it's going to be another another lost season. You win six in a row, and then you pull this out. Um once again, St Kilda, great football. It got down to the last two minutes. If you can have a chance to watch the last two minutes of the game, you'll be absolutely stunned how Melbourne somehow uh, were almost, almost going to get that back get back into the game when they shouldn't have been anywhere near it. They were so far behind the ball, it was ridiculous. But kudos to St Kilda. Alan Richardson, you know, I've, I've got a bit of, bit, of, bit of time for him. I really like the passion he has for his club. He's always stuck behind him, and it's good to see them getting some results. So St Kilda, yes, you've... Um, You've won this. You've won this battle, um, but now we're going to get into this week's uh, edition of the Great Pretender, and I don't think it's going to be too hard to figure out who it's going to be. It's going to be my team, the Melbourne Demons. Oh, 
frustration. We had a game on the weekend where it was primed for the Demons to come out and absolutely slaughter a team that is so low on confidence and so low on reputation that many people have been asking for the coach to be sacked. Yes, that would be Alan Richardson. And in the first five minutes of the game, you decide to come out and kick three goals and get in front by quite a little margin, thinking, oh, this is going to be a walk in the park. Yet, just over two hours later, you've gone down to a team who showed more passion, more drive, more, well, let's just say balls than you did, by two points. And once again, a season that looked so promising only three weeks ago, sitting at a scoreline of eight and three, has now gone completely shithouse. If you have a look against Collingwood, you have come out and beaten by six goals. Port Adelaide, ten points. And once again, uh, two points to St Kilda. Since Jake Lever went down, we thought, you know what? Yes, he's only one man. We'll be able to compensate him. No, 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 no. Our back line has been nothing short of atrocious in the last number of weeks. Our forward line has been along the lines of, hey, bob it long and we'll take the strong mark. Yet with no crumbing forwards, the ball just rebounds out completely easily. And our midfielders are just going the old kick and hope, thinking it's a little bit of uh, up in the pack like you would do as a schoolboy in high school. Our game plan is nowhere to be seen. Where was the drive, the determination that we saw only a number of weeks ago to win Six games straight. Yes, this was a team that had only won three games last year, being St Kilda. And Melbourne, you were absolutely pathetic, woeful. Words that I can't describe on this PG-related, PG-rated podcast. Um, I used to go by the term sheet, shit Kilda was the team that we played on the weekend. Um, I think it was more like Melshit. Yes, you were Melshit on the weekend, Melbourne. If it wasn't for Max Gorn... It wouldn't have been a two-point loss. It would have been a ten-goal loss. He was pretty much our only shining light. People like Christian Petrarca, Mitch Hannon, Dom Tyson. I think you need to have a run in the twos, boys. From that thespian film, Top Gun. Your mouths are writing checks your bodies can't catch. Jake Melksham, you're still stuck in your AFLX uh, season form. You've been very slow over the last number of weeks. Bally Fritsch, you've stood up, which is great. The back line, Oscar McDonald, please don't try and be someone you're not. Michael Hibbard, where's your rebound gone? Neville Jetta, you're just plugging it out. I don't know if it's still from the concussion from the previous week, but you were nothing short. Jordan Lewis, just getting way too slow. I don't know, there's some changes that need to be made. We can't go, we're playing Fremantle this week. They're going to be frifless, they're going to be sandalless. You need to show some balls, boys, because I tell you what, if you're not... Well, let's just say you're going to have another wasted season and another season of Melbourne supporters going, we should be barracking for someone else. You were shit last week. You can't be shit again. And that's why this week, unfortunately, I don't want to say it, but you were this week's great pretender. No ranting or raving this week. We're getting straight into it. Here comes your football review. Laces out. 
Well, there you go, folks. The Siren has sounded on another weekly Laces Out podcast. Hey, I'd love to hear your thoughts and feelings on it. Tell me what you'd like to see, who you'd like me to interview. Comment on Anchor, comment on iTunes, Google Podcasts, like I said, Stitcher, bucket loads of places you can find us. Hit me up with a tweet at CJPepper06. I'd love to hear from you. But more importantly, that's another week in football. I'm Chris Pepper, your host. And just remember, if you're like me, you love your football. Laces out.